Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's 9.05 on the 11th day of February. Lots of smiles all around in anticipation of a wonderful weekend ahead. How you doing, Ryan? Wow, it's always great to well count down the weekend. And it's an early weekend. And a special one for you as well and family, I'm sure. Uh, looking forward to some great food. Mm, yeah, for lunch, for dinner, and probably <laughs> leftovers for the next few days. For days! All right, let's look at how markets are doing today. U.S. stocks were mixed overnight and shares in Sydney are trending lower this morning as many markets across Asia are already closed for the Lunar New Year holidays. Investors, meanwhile, are assessing what to do next now that many indices are trading at or near record highs. Joining me to break down all the market actions, including a host of corporate earning results, is Ryan Huang. We're going to start this morning morning in Singapore, where Southeast Asia's largest bank, DBS, is projecting optimism over the quality of its loan portfolio. At the same time, it is also reporting a sharp drop in fourth quarter profits. Ryan, let's break this down. Let's start with that optimism. What's fueling that? Yeah, it is um, a bit of two halves, right? You've got the First half is what happened in 2020. That was where you had COVID-19 really having an impact on the economy. And that was one reason why net profit in the fourth quarter was down 33%. But what the the investors and markets were focused on is what's coming up. And this was the upbeat outlook from DBS CEO Piyush Gupta. So he's painting a bit of a brighter picture um, that business momentum was seen to be sustained in the fourth quarter and his pipeline of loans growth and fee income is expected to be healthy. So that was good news that investors took away from the briefing yesterday. And that was one reason, I think, why its stock price was up 0.4% yesterday to around $26. So that is the picture for well, the optimistic outlook we got from DBS. All right, let's turn to the other side of that picture. What, what do the profit numbers signal? Okay, so it is signaling that the worries we've been pricing in or the investors have been pricing in may not be materializing to the case of a worst-case scenario because looking at the debt moratorium or the loans under moratorium, that is when they parked aside the buffers for potentially companies not being able to pay back the loans down the road. That they feel is not as bad as what they were forecasting. So that is one bright scenario. So net profit for the fourth quarter is at $1.01 billion, down 33% due to low net interest margins and higher allowances. And if you look at the earnings per share, that is down to $154 per quarter for the quarter, down from $231 a year ago. So you are looking at fourth quarter numbers down. But if you look at what analysts are saying, uh, they actually have been quite optimistic about the fortunes turning around in 2021. If you look at OCBC Investment Research, they have raised their fair value on DBS to $29.50. Right now, it's at around $26. So they have a buy call and they feel they will see fee income being one of the growth drivers at double-digit growth. And the bulk of the pressure on net interest margins appears to have largely played out. So they don't expect any more pressure from the low interest rate environment for DBS. I guess the question many investors are asking right now, though, is what about dividend payments? How much will I make if I hold DBS shares? 
Yeah, so if you have DBS shares, you can expect a final dividend payout of $0.18 cents per share. So very similar to the past three quarters. And this was in line with the MES guidance to moderate cash payouts before because you uh, they feel banks should be saving up for a rainy day if mm-hmm. they need the capital buffers. And this compares with $0.33 cents a year ago. And of course, the script dividend scheme will apply to the latest dividend. And what's, I, I think, promising is you are looking at global regulators starting to signal to banks that, hey, maybe it's time to start lifting the dividends. And we have seen that in the UK. Um, the, the Australian authorities are also looking at that. So it may be just a matter of time for dividends to uh, be going up for banks again. So this is another driver or potential catalyst for bank stocks. So one more question about DBS before I move on to other news. Just a couple of months ago, DBS acquired the Lakshmi Vilas Bank over in India. How long before DBS expects this investment to reap rewards, do you think? Yeah, so this was the amalgamation of LFVB or Lakshmi Vilas Bank. And this is a bank with a lot of branches and a big presence in India. So it did come at a price though. It had to pay uh, a few hundred millions of dollars for it because it was a struggling bank with debt attached to it. Um, but the good news is it expects to turn a profit in the next 12 to 24 months. Mm. And part of that reason is because of the skill of LLV, LVB, which it feels will give synergies for its existing DBS in the operations. So it will be able to cross-sell. And we are talking about the LVB deal adding 2 million retail and 125,000 corporate customers to DBS's uh, India's deposit base. So that is a big boost. Um, if you look at the customer base pre-merger, uh, it was around 23% of them were retail. With the LVB merger, is now 50% of the customer base now are retail. So it gets a big retail presence in India now. And all in, it is uh, looking promising. And if you look at what the analysts are saying, mm-hmm. um, they are saying DBS is taking a bit of an aggressive view on LVB's asset quality. So that right now means the non-performing loan assets after the merger is just $212 million and it's fully secured. So that is a bit of a, well optimistic picture for the operations in India. All right, looking for profit in a year or two then. In other corporate news, there's a lot of it this morning. We're going to jump into one of our favorite games here, Up or Down. I name a company or an asset and Ryan tells us which way it's moving. So you get some clarity this morning. General Motors. Well, I would say General Motors is up. It did beat Wall Street expectations. Um, And there was a bit of a warning though. Going ahead, it is going to have a tougher time because it will face a shortage of semiconductor chips. And that could cut its earnings by $2 billion this year. So a bit of half and half. Yeah. I'd say up though. Up. Because despite the pandemic which shuttered its factories for nearly two months last year, General Motors reporting some of its highest profits ever, netting more than $6 billion US dollars in 2020. So there you have it, two views. Twitter. Okay, Twitter, it had another... Blockbuster quarterly results mm. is um, second in a row, $1 billion quarter. And we saw a stock price up more than 8%. So that is good news for Twitter. I know also worth noting, it's in the news for saying it was thinking about holding on to Bitcoin as well. 
Oh, gosh. I think we're going to see more companies add Bitcoin to their balance sheets. Uh, Twitter up, I'd say, as well, because Twitter shares jumped more than 13% overnight on the back of strong earnings. Next up, Under Armour. Okay, Under Armour is thinking about cutting out the middleman. So it's focusing on its own stores, focusing on its own, own online websites to mm. sell its merchandise. So cutting costs to some extent. So it is a bit of a turnaround strategy it's trying to focus on. So I would say up. Yeah, me too. Under Armour jumped 8% on the back of good profits. It is down 1% though in after hours trade. Next, Coca-Cola. Okay, Coca-Cola is setting its sights on a brighter outlook and because of what's going on with the COVID-19 vaccination deployment, it says no things will start to improve. You will see retail stores opening. You will see more people going back to business as usual to some extent. So that will mean more people selling drinks and buying drinks. So it will be good news for Coca-Cola down the road. I think this one's tough, though, because Coca-Cola's fourth quarter profits are down, but it is still doing better than many analysts had expected. So tough to call. Uh, Viant. Okay, Viant. So this is the company involved in the ad tech space. So pretty much focusing on serving advertising to websites and one of the biggest players, of course, is Google. Uh, Viant is one of the players. So it made its IPO debut at $25 per share and it popped by more than 90%. Opened at $44 and closed the day at around $47. So at tax space, another hot segment and you've got another company called Tabula. Mm -hmm. You might be familiar with its rival Outbrain. So that is something of a sector starting to get a lot of interest as well. Yeah, the ad tech market looking really hot. Next up, the Singapore property market. Okay, Singapore property market could be due for more property cooling measures if you go by the survey from NUS. So they surveyed around 40 to 50 senior executives. Uh, and of course, these are people who monitor the real estate sector very closely. And if you, with what's going on, you've got spiking construction costs uh, that could add on to costs down the road. So we've got a couple of factors that may be starting to worry the Singapore government to start nipping the problem in the bud with property cooling measures. New home sales surge in January, up more than 30% from December. So yeah, I'd say up to. I want to turn in a moment to US-China relations. Before we do, though, there's been a Jack Ma sighting. The Alibaba founder has been laying low. Some think he's been missing for several months now since the anti-financial IPO was scuttled. There was a brief online sighting of Ma in a video about three weeks ago. But now he's been spotted in the flesh. So where's he been lurking, Ryan? Well, if you want to find a businessman who's gone missing, where else but the golf course, right? <laughs> so that is the latest spotting of Jack Ma, the missing millionaire, so to speak, so or billionaire, actually. So he's, um, of course, been in the news for not turning up at his usual events in recent weeks. Uh, now he's been spotted at a golf course practicing his swing. So I guess that sets some... Um, Concern aside that he's been detained for a staycation by the Chinese authorities. So, I mean, this after all is on the Chinese island of Hainan. Well, you have to keep that in mind as well. Mm -hmm. So who knows where he's going to be spending his weekend.
Well, he's hitting 27 ball courses. That's what we know. Let's turn to U.S.-China relations, 27 whole courses, I should say. Uh, with the U.S.-China relations, there are two elements that I'd like to explore. First, the TikTok saga. We can call it the return of TikTok or the clock doesn't strike 12. Last, we talked about this. U.S. President Donald Trump was forcing TikTok to sell off its U.S. assets or face an American ban. We have a new U.S. president now. So what does this mean for TikTok? Yeah, it's a tough one to call. It's hanging in the balance. But just to recap, we had Walmart and Oracle. Uh, of course, the latest, they were trying to buy a slice or buy a piece of TikTok. It's U.S. operations. And what we have right now is uh, you've got the Biden administration. They will be reviewing it continuously in the weeks to come. But Walmart has uh, expressed that they will be continuing its uh, their plans to leverage the video sharing app. So mm-hmm. it will be trying to use the app to encourage people to buy goods through the content being generated by some of the popular influencers. So you could be just looking at a video of someone dancing and then maybe you can buy the jacket that the influencer is wearing. So that could be in the works. All right. We'll look out for Oracle and Walmart and that large stake in TikTok and what it means for them moving ahead. U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping, meanwhile, are reportedly scheduled to have their first call this morning, local time, since Biden's election. What do you think markets are going to be looking for, Ryan, on this call? Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky phone call. It's the first one, apparently, since he's taken office, Joe Biden. And there will be a couple of tricky issues on the table. So you've got Hong Kong, of course, that has been a hot potato topic for even Donald Trump. Uh, We've got trade issues. You've got technology, IP, intellectual protection, um, the human rights issue in Xinjiang. So all those issues are going to be tough to navigate. And I guess it's going to be promising because there have been some indications they are trying to reach a compromise on and trying to find some common ground where they can. Mm. And this will include areas such as climate change. But it is... Tough one to navigate because in the lead up to this, there have been some indications that the U.S. is not going to roll over, so to speak. You've got his um, Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, uh, in recent days saying that China poses the most significant challenge to any nation state of any nation state to the United States. So he's saying China is the main cause of concern on the list of countries to worry about. And also during a visit to the Pentagon, Biden was also cited as saying um, he has directed them to conduct a review of the national security policy with respect to China. So he is starting to, well, in a sense, figure out what to do with China and how to carry out his balancing act because he's seen as someone who's more of a pro-multilateral policy kind of guy. So that is, I think, the direction he wants to take, but he's also wary about the stakeholders he has back home. Still on this first call, tensions remain high between the two world's largest economies. In other news, Tokyo has become the latest car maker to roll out new electric vehicles. It expects electric cars to constitute 40% of its sales by 2025. So we've talked about the show uh, Apple Car. We've talked about it. There was a lot of excitement over that possible partnership between Apple and Hyundai and Kia, the Korean car makers. That deal not to be, but Apple hasn't given up though. So who are the other partners that are still in the running? Yeah, it's a long list of potential 
players. And I think we have to bear in mind that it might not be an exclusive deal if it does come through at all. So after the Hyundai Kia deal apparently was called off, uh, a couple of names have started to emerge. And one of them apparently... You could see a familiar partner. Foxconn could be someone involved in making the parts. So that could be one one um, partner that could be in the frame. We've got also an automaker called Magna. This is a an automaker in Canada. It's the third largest auto supplier in the world by sales. So that is another name in the hat. And also interestingly, Nissan, that is a long shot though. Uh, it does bring several things to the table. It already has... Uh, a bit of a investment in EV and it's also been working with Renault for this segment. So it does have a bit of a head start there. And also, I think we can't discount that Hyundai or Kia could still be in the running, maybe as silo partners, like not in a joint venture sense. So that could be also down the road, something that could happen. Let's check in on local stocks now. The Straits Times Index finished off one-third of a percent yesterday at 29.25. How's the STI doing this Thursday morning? Yeah, so looking at STI right now, it's going to be a quieter morning because you've got a couple of markets closed, South Korea, Japan, China, Taiwan. And for Hong Kong and Singapore, it's half-day trading. So you've got it now slightly underwater by 0.1%. And we were talking about DBS earlier on. And that is off the results. Although we saw a net profit down of 33%, it did have a bit of an upbeat outlook. Right now, it is trading flat at $26. But for OCBC, it's down by 0.2%. We will see its earnings in two weeks' time. And looking at SATs, we had its earnings yesterday. Um, That stock now is down by 0.5%. And just to recap the earnings we got from ground handler SATs, uh, we saw Sats profit was actually at a negative, seeing a net loss of 2.8 million for the third quarter, so reversing a net profit of around 59 million. So that is the latest uh, picture we have in a quiet morning of trade across Asia so far. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful weekend, Ryan. He's already for the weekend. Bye, Michelle. <laughs> Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.